Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload. The At this point, like I said before, getting better and better quests to find legitimately good video game movies. Though at this point, we're kind of taking the easy route because these are not direct adaptations. These are video game-ish. I am Nick Moore. With me is Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne. Good day, gentlemen. Mark. Howdy, how's it going? And as promised last time, we are here for, as far as I'm concerned, the grandfather of video game movies. We're here for Tron, because <laughs> uh, I can't think of one older than this. And when you watch it, you can't picture one that could be older this and exist. <laughs> this is as far back as it gets for computer animation. Yeah, we thought last Starfighter had that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start with Mark. What are your thoughts? Um, well... Obviously, the semi-technology that made Last Starfighter was uh, birthed here. Uh, you could really tell. You know what's weird, though? What's that? Maybe because we saw Last Starfighter recently, but like two, three minutes into the, the special effects, I was in. I was just in the world. Oh, sure. It wasn't bothering me anymore. And I, I was tossed back to my childhood nostalgia of like, wow, this is amazing. Never mind that like all the dudes are basically wearing Jofa hockey helmets with lights on them. But <laughs> I was surprised at how like i'm not saying it's a good movie but i'm surprised that it wasn't horribly bad to me <laughs> except for where i have questions around certain plot things that actually don't take place in the game world in the movie once they're in the game world i felt like things were moving in a way that made sense for the rules there and then uh, all the other things about this story made no sense to me but we'll get into that yes we will wayne how did you feel? I mean, uh, it's Tron. I, I remember it a long time ago. I haven't seen it in quite a long time. I agree. The effects, similar to Last Starfighter, except you get a whole lot more of it. Oh, yeah. I'm actually okay with it here, and I think that's because it is a video game world. It, it suits it. It actually fits sure. it. It, it's not, it doesn't seem like cheesy effects because it feels like, well, that's what that world would look like at that time with what they had. So it's it's a lot easier to swallow than Last Starfighter was. <laughs> In terms of like the, how the CG was worked, right? But yeah. I don't know. Um, some of the pacing can be good. I think the idea of what Tron is is really cool. Yes. They just didn't yeah. really have the budget, the the proper screenwriting to really pull off what it is. I mean, I have a love for Legacy, but that's a whole different topic. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad film. It does have some slow pacing where I found my eyes a little heavy at sometimes. <laughs> right. But it, it's not a horrible <laughs> film. It's not a great film. It's just the film. <laughs> yeah. So I was surprised by this movie for a few things. So to catch up anyone who hasn't seen this, it's about corporate espionage and intellectual property theft <laughs> with an <laughs> AI plotting to rule the world. And those things all kind of coalesce into one bizarre, trippy film. The effects in it, yeah, they're dated. 
And part of it is the fact that we just watched Last Starfighter, so you're kind of already expecting these effects. I find they actually work really well because they have a strong art design, a strong aesthetic behind it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you look at it and go, okay, it doesn't match up to what we have today, but it's still visually striking. The idea of having, Mm -hmm. as far as I can tell, they're wearing normal costumes, but they're using computer effects to create blue and red kind of highlights over everything to make it look video game-ish. Still holds up really well. Uh, I do appreciate mm-hmm. the Disney Plus having it on there. I can see a nice high-def transfer of it, so it's the closest you'll get to seeing <laughs> it in theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that didn't really hold up quite the same way, it wasn't the computer effects for, like, the in-game tanks and motorcycles and all the contraptions they're in. Because, as you said, once you've seen it for a little while, you get used to it. It was the matte paintings that they're on. Every background is a matte <laughs> painting, mm. and the perspective yeah. of them got weird enough that... They're trying to do that 3D effect when you're on a map painting, and that works if it's in the background, but because it's the background and the foreground and they're on it, it looks like they're just standing on a piece of paper, and it was really throwing me <laughs> off quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a few scenes like that, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, the effects, as it were, were pretty cool. So, I haven't seen this film in a very long time, so I actually had to try and take down notes, and the first two words I have are so confusing. <laughs> so this will remind me specifically of if you remember the only frustration i had with the movie warcraft was if you're not already a fan a lot of it doesn't make sense you just dropped into the deep end Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this movie felt like you had to be a fan and you had to know all the background but there was no background there was nothing before this movie (laughs) so it felt like you had to know a backstory that no one had introduced you to yet exactly like so weird so your your summation of the plot (laughs) is accurate yet ridiculous because (laughs) as i understood this this guy who designed a couple video games is now head of the company except the company also is creating star trek transporter technology yeah and i'm not really sure what exactly this company does video games are very important in this reality they teleport oranges and well and i was thinking too looking at it that like there's a moment where i had to really stop and ask myself i'm like okay this isn't in the the necessarily the console heyday these are about like arcade yeah. video games and this guy his office has got to be the nicest <laughs> office ever invented in the 1980s with this talking computer desk the size of a conference table that does everything and i was just like <laughs> like I don't know what was slowing the computer down from ruling the world because nothing in the 80s was remotely like that <laughs> oh I know I think a lot of it was th- this story was ba- clearly based on making video games it was always about video games mm-hmm. there was going to be the arcade after this was all tied into that mm-hmm. but I think they said if we we're going to make this a movie there has to be another story <laughs> it can't be just these characters <laughs> playing games in a video game right like we have to give this yeah. something else. But they and went from they made let's make something video else. games to let's rule the world. That's a big leap. Yeah. We got to give the people yeah. a reason to be in the game. <laughs> Except so. that's not why he goes in the game. I he know. goes in the game to prove his intellectual property. In fact, two of them who are currently employed risk their jobs and their livelihood just so that he can prove he made five video games. And I was sitting there being like, okay, wait a minute. The one character who makes the Tron program, he's not a game designer. He's building 
a software device to for security insurance, basically, so that their systems are working properly. Right. Not being run through the main system. Yeah. The other lady is apparently a very talented scientist because she's developing technology to transport objects from one spot to another. Yep. Neither of those people are gamers. Straight up teleportation. Straight up teleportation. Why they're (laughs) risking everything so this guy can get what what surmises to a piece of printout paper that says, I did it. And... I kept thinking. Which would never hold up you today. Type yeah. that. Never, you could have typed that on a computer. It says, I made this game. Like, there's nothing <laughs> to prove anything. Oh, God. It's, yeah. it's, so everything that happened in the real world in this movie for me made no sense, which was <laughs> so weird watching it because everything in the game world, I was like, I get it. Makes sense. It's operating like a video game. You know, you got to get from this point to this point. You got to beat the boss. You got to insert the thingy into the thingy. You fight. (laughs) He fights a mini boss. He fights a boss. He fights the boss in second level, like second form. Like, sure. The real world is confusing and complicated. Way confusing. (laughs) But the basic plot, Jeff Bridges' character is Flynn. He's a computer programmer. And as we've said, his intellectual property is stolen by the big bad corporate dude who claims that he made these things and somehow video games are so important to the global economy that it's made him the richest man in the world he's like dick jones from robocop if he succeeded in terms of how much money he seems to have they've got a moment where flynn's friend it's either alan alex it starts with an a andrew whatever his name was thank you Alan. Alan goes to go into his cubicle and get something, and it shows this pan out shot of how far the cubicles go, and I think it was a city block. <laughs> it was amazing. It yeah. was absurd how yeah. far these it's cubicles so stretch out. Just absolutely and a absurd. bit on an angle. Oh yeah, and a little bit on an angle. <laughs> and then he gets summoned up to he gets summoned up to talk to the evil corporate guy and Kryn goes well that's a power move because as Alan is coming up the elevator the corporate guy turns around and turns his back to the elevator so the guy comes up <laughs> he'll have his back to him just so you can spin around and look at him and say sit down <laughs> yeah. yeah but don't forget the only other guy working there really wanted some popcorn oh god I don't know what yeah. that scene I don't know man about. The guy's like hey hey Alan uh Hey, man, can I have some of your popcorn? He's burning <laughs> like, the midnight oil. For that Loves his movie. popcorn. They had, they had time for that in this movie? I don't understand. So Jeff Bridges' character wants to prove that he made these things, and he sneaks in with the help of Alan and whatever her name is, who at one point Alan says to her about mm. her relationship with Jeff Bridges, he had access into you, which is the most video gamey way to describe having sex <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. I almost fell out of my chair. Parker's with us and he just looks at me wondering why I'm laughing so hard. But they break in yeah. and he's typing away doing whatever hacking stuff they claim Jeff Bridges is doing. And then the evil HAL computer, what was it? PSG, PCM, MCB. MCB. Anyway. MCB. Master HAL. Control It was program. HAL. Master Control <laughs> Program. It shoots him with this teleporting laser that they developed and should already be changing the world with and digitizes him into the game. <laughs> but the important thing, and this is the really fascinating thing to me, is everything in the game, all the programs in there are also sentient. They know that they're in a computer program, but they believe that's the only reality that exists, except for a few who talk about the users like they're gods. I think this movie inspired Reboot. <laughs> 
Which is pretty wild. There's there's actually a lot of movies that pull inspiration. (laughs) And it ends up becoming this huge religious thing inside the the game in terms of idolizing a user and talking about them. And the evil computer guy is trying to, no, no, there's no users and it's just us and you'll do as you're told. How weird is it that the computer programs, they know that, for example, oh, I'm an accountant in this computer program. I'm an insurance algorithm, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So if they get taken prisoner and thrown into the Tron games, does that mean whoever's computer was calculating their taxes doesn't work anymore? That's what it sounds like. That's that's what the one guy said. Is that how they explain computer glitches and crashes? No, what I thought it was was that what MCP dude was doing was every person he sort of like takes out of the system, they're absorbed into him, so he takes it over. Oh, okay. So it's the idea that like he's slowly gathering power by being in more and more systems. So every system is dependent on him. The real question is when they beat him in the end, what happened to the world? Cause this guy was controlling so many but, things. That's right, Mark. But the guy at the beginning who was the accountant, he did say that it would crash if he, cause he dies in the game. He doesn't go and get absorbed. No, that's right. So, and he mentioned that the crew. So the- yeah, you're right. They broke their own rules. But, like, does that mean the whole time the evil computer is doing everyone's taxes while he takes over the world? <laughs> just very busy, I, evil I, supercomputer. I uh, but pretty wild stuff in terms of that. I do love at one point uh, Jeff Bridges talking about, you know, what happened in the past refers to the Wayback Machine. I've always loved that phrase. No other mm. point to it. I just like yeah. when he says, let's step in the Wayback <laughs> Machine. That's great. Yeah. The evil AI computer talking about how it's now 2,415 times smarter than it started did it ever come across as intelligent to you? Because it seemed pretty stupid to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it yeah. could have been stupid, and it's now 2,000 times more stupid. Right? I, maybe. May- maybe. Yeah, like it, Like the thing is, again, because you don't know where it starts, like maybe that was quite the journey for it. Maybe that's a whole movie. Story from being simple, like that one little bit that just goes yes and no. Oh, the bit maybe is amazing. Maybe it started, yeah. and then it turned into a chess game. Apparently, it was a chess game at some point. Yeah. I love the idea Um, of the bit speaking in positive and negative. So it just says yes or no to everything. Like when he's uh, in the ship crashing, it's just going, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. (laughs) That was a good little game. One quick aside, going back to them breaking in. So, again, further proving that video games apparently are the most important, precious economic resource in this world. The security (laughs) door. Is amazing. The gigantic red security door that they have to open <laughs> that is 15 feet thick and about 50 feet long. Like, I just, what were they thinking was going to, and it's on like the 10th floor or something. Like, what was trying to break in? No. A helicarrier? Yeah. Like, he I, actually says the words, that's a really big door. Right. Like, he actually stops and says, whoa, that's a really big door. But, you know, <laughs> hey, to be fair. We only saw the tip of the iceberg. They know how to transport human matter. True. So, like, who knows who what else they're doing, right? Who knows yeah. what's back there, yeah. All kinds of cool stuff, yeah. right? But yeah. it could be the T-virus for all we know. <laughs> I'm sure that movie's coming. And then you get to the actual meat of the film, <laughs> which is getting into the actual digital world. And frankly, it's far, as you said, far more straightforward once you get in there. At least it kind of sort of makes sense. He spends some time in... yeah prison with the other computer codes and then we start the hunger games yeah with mm-hmm. the first game the disc throwing thing which i thought was pretty cool yeah i thought it was like surprisingly well done actually when i saw it i was like okay 
He doesn't know what the game is, but he's cocky because he he's a gamer. Right. So he's a gamer thrown into a video game. So he's like, I, I can play any game. I'm one of the best gamers around. Okay. That's a bold statement. So you're thrown into it. But then you see that it's just like, oh, I get it. I get how this works now. He gets the fundamentals of a game. I mean, it helps he's playing an accountant. <laughs> well, but like it does because I kept thinking to myself, I was like, okay, if you threw my butt into a video game, I'm not sure I'd have the cardio to do what he was doing. Like he's running around like a maniac in there. And I'm like, I would be dying. Like, Why is he getting tired? That was my other question. He's in a virtual environment. He's in a video game. Why is he winded while he plays this game of, as far as I can tell, it's like squash, only you're trying to hit the floor of the opponent and there's a bunch of rings underneath that opponent. When you hit one, it disappears and you want him to fall to his death. Real life, I'd last five seconds, but in a virtual game, I mean, maybe there's a stamina meter that I'm not seeing. And in most video games I've played, the stamina meter seems to be shorter than my stamina in real life. So maybe that's it. Maybe he could last longer in the real world. (laughs) It's funny you mention that because I think that's the biggest rule they don't explain is if a user comes into this world, are they digitized? Are, like, yeah. are they actually human in this world? Right. And that's why they're tired. And if so, do they actually die by de-res or would he just fall and bounce off the ground? You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, they never really explain yeah. the, the user rule because, well, they don't show it, right? I partially wonder yeah. if and, they use the part term. part two doesn't help with it either. No. I wonder if they use the term de-resolution to talk about killing a character because it's either A, computer speak and it sounds all geeky, or B, Disney made this and they don't want any sort of word like death or killing to show up. So we'll talk about de-resolution, which sounds scarier to me. I'm blank you out of existence. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And like you said, they don't explain anything, right? So you don't really know and like the only way they use it is it's the reason he breaks the rules in there right like he does things that they can't do they're like how'd you do that and he's like ah you know stuff you know but he doesn't know why he can do it because he's just doing it no no one explains it and you just have to assume it's because he's not a program like he can do whatever he wants they explain all kinds of things that don't necessarily matter like for example i'm an actuarial program and he starts discussing insurance tips with him but they don't explain how the rules of the game work. They're more interested in having the insurance program explain that it was an insurance program and that Tron was whatever the heck he is. But they don't explain why the user coming in actually has Jesus powers. He touches the world and it comes to life and he grabs a hold of a beam and diverts Mm. it and he can... As far as I can tell, he's basically Atari Jesus. But they don't explain how he knows that. He doesn't explain how he's doing that. Is, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. And then he basically, I mean, in the sequel to this, he is exactly that. Right. He is exactly Atari Jesus. But again, I don't know how well they explain it there either. Which is funny because I'm actually a big fan of the second movie. So coming back and watching this so, so far later, it's interesting to see the beginning of this when it opens with Clue. Right. And Clue's really yes. a nobody in this, yeah. right? He was just a program he wrote at yeah. the beginning. He gets killed by the tank and that's it. And yet this is the villain of the second film. (laughs) And you only see him for a couple minutes here, right? Yeah, I was surprised because, again, I haven't seen this in so long. I thought Clue would turn out to be a bigger thing. And instead, he comes into the game and he's basically pretending that he's Clue until the moment we're on a ship later. And he says to them, yeah, guys, just so you know, you've talked about users like they're gods. Hey, I'm actually a user. It's like someone just (laughs) it's like me seeing one of you guys. Yeah, by the time, by the way, um, I'm Jesus. Just. 
thought I'd let yeah. you know. Uh, any questions you got for me? Because it turns out the answer is, I don't know the answer either, guys. Uh, gods are just people, too. <laughs> exactly. Which yeah. Yeah. I actually liked that religious allegory when he goes, look, I'm just making it up along the way, kind of like you guys are. And the idea of if there is a being more powerful than yourself, you can't even really comprehend them. None of these things can comprehend a user the way that if you did believe in you know, God or afterlife or what have you, how different would that being be from us? They actually touched yeah. on that really nice in that yeah. moment there, and I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. It was a laid-back way of throwing yeah. it in. They also did a nice uh, prediction of the future. That older guy, who I, I'm assuming he was the origin originator of NCOM. Oh, Walter. When he's like, the day that mm. computers start thinking, people will stop. And it's, we're both looking at me, the wife oh. looking at each other like, yeah, that's today. <laughs> now, I can't right? remember. Yeah. Do all the th- yeah. Does he say that before or after he puts the hat that's shaped like a penis on his head and has his hands coming out where his nipples should be? That is before. That was, okay. But that was in the real that's He said that in the real world. world. Right, in the real world. Yeah. He says that in the real okay. world. So penis head, nipple yeah, hands didn't world. say that. Real Walter said that. No, Just that, making was, sure. that was later. Okay. Yeah, just making later. sure. That's later. That's later. Same guy. Hey, same guy. Design might have had some limits to it. Which is another thing I found interesting. <laughs> so if you write a program, that program's physical representation in the digital world looks identical to you. So what happens if you write more than one program? They never really touch on that. It seems like everybody writes one program and has one digital representation of themselves. Because the evil corporate guy is Sark in the game. Clue was Jeff Bridges' one. It's like everybody has one digital avatar. But does that mean Jeff Bridges has like five of them out there because he made five games? But what's weird is the bad guy actually... Shoot, what the hell is his name? Uh, Dillinger. The the, the TGRI guy. Yeah, Uh, Dillinger. Dillinger, He says he wrote the MCP. So why does the MCP not look like him? Right. It just looks like uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the main guy who gives the missions in Power Rangers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. He looks like the Power that. Rangers mission Zargon. Giver. Was it Zargon? Yeah, Zargon. 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 He looks like him. <laughs> yeah. Which is bizarre. Just bizarre. Yeah. But you have the fairly iconic and famous, I guess, motorcycle car sequence that's basically Slither yeah, I.O. Yeah, still cool. They're still cool. Yeah. Which still looks cool. That was actually still fun. Yeah. Yeah. It has a kinetic energy to it that I was surprised by. It actually feels like everything's going fast. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool to me. I liked that. And the idea of one of them crashing into the, the wall to try and, like, escape the game so they can have this uprising. And then having to, like, edge out all the other evil computer programs and crash them so they could go through, like, the two good computer yeah. programs that go just to the point where they might crash and then both turn parallel to each other so they're going in a straight line side by side but there isn't quite enough room for the evil computers it smashes into them that was a cool sequence mm-hmm. i enjoyed yeah, that yeah, yeah it is. i loved it <laughs> right and then you have the robotic tanks that start chasing them and his other jesus moment of the i don't even know how to describe them they look like the the creatures from space invaders that come down the screen and try and destroy you but they're flying apparatuses in this and he's inside a broken one after one of his robot buddies dies and he just rebuilds it through thought because again atari jesus only he builds it 95 percent of the way and then one of the legs just falls off (laughs) like the equivalent of like a pinto in this digital universe (laughs) <laughs> it was amazing I love that, that that one little piece that's missing seemed to just make the thing not aerodynamic at all oh, yeah. on a design that is not aerodynamic so I was like he's having the hardest time with this thing but it's just missing like again 10% of it 
that shouldn't that doesn't steer it as far as I can tell. Like <laughs> I find from that part on, that's when the movie for me slows right. It lulled yeah. a little bit. It yeah. Just, yeah. I was I was into this all the way up until that, then it just really started going nowhere. It was more of the trip, you know, we're watching them on this mm-hmm. ship flying, and then we're watching them on the next ship trying to get yeah. across the line. It's like Okay, just do yeah. something now. It's not as it's not moving as fast as the first half of the movie. Yeah, they slowed right. Yeah, down. there's a good 10, 15 minutes there where they kind of lose their pacing a little bit. Part of it is him being kind of stuck on his own because his robot buddy has died, and all he has with him is that bit that just talks with yeses and noes, which is entertaining. But you can't sure. have a ten minute sequence of Jeff Bridges playing off of a yes and no machine. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand mm-hmm. why it's so off kilter the the broken leg flying machine that he's in when again. How advanced are these video games that physics are that important? <laughs> if a piece of it's broken, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 2D games, every one of these arcades that they're playing on are these 2D screens, and yet you yeah. break one piece of it and it's just flopping all over the place like it's drunk. Sure. But hmm. did you notice the two cameos in this film? Pac-Man. Not at all. Pac-Man is there. Parker noticed yeah. when they're yeah. breaking out of the motorcycle sequence. And it cuts to the villains looking at the map screen going, oh, my God, they're out of the game. You can see Pac-Man is on the map on the right hand side. (laughs) Eating the dots. Yeah. (laughs) Which is awesome. It's even got the sound effect going and everything. Right. And then when they're in the ship, the airship, they're floating across the sand dunes that they have. And he's talking about how, hey, guys, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, digital Jesus. One of the dunes that they float over has Mickey Mouse's silhouette on it, which I thought was kind of great. I, I didn't catch that oh, one. No, which, no. again, I didn't see that Sorry either, but that. Parker pointed out, and I rewound it, and sure enough, it's the silhouette of Mickey Mouse's face doing a smile. I was like, that's kind of cool. Funny. But it's one of those yeah, blinking-you-miss-it kind of things. Subliminal advertising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helps the slow moment a little bit, which, you know, it, it needed all the help it could have there until you get to Sarks versus Tron in the greatest game of Ultimate yeah. Frisbee I've ever witnessed. <laughs> The two of them doing their best Captain America impressions, throwing the disc that's on their back that apparently holds their personality, memories, intelligence, and everything. Why would you throw that as your weapon? If that's the thing that constitutes your being, just run up and punch him. I don't understand it. But Legacy, Legacy does that too. Legacy, that's their weapon. The weapon is the ring on the back and the ring is that. And I don't know why, but it's a thing. Still makes no sense. To your point about, about no physics is... What that disc does when they throw it, it'll like yeah. go in a straight line and then loop and then curl and then bounce twice and you don't see it return to them. But then they're throwing it again. I'm like, uh, I miss something. Do there. they mentally like, control it? Because the villain would throw it. It would bounce yeah. off of Tron's disc, spin and come back yeah. at him again. So either it has like really wonky physics or they can control X right. number of bounces off of it. None of the rules for that yeah. disc made well, sense. You'll never know. You'll I never took know. it as before you throw it, it's kind of like you pick your bell, uh, your ability, right? Like before you throw it, you're going to throw it and it's going to do a hook and double bounce. You know, it's like, okay, okay he's got to guess that that's what I'm doing. You know, that's how I took it. Well, I mean, any answer makes as much sense as the other. So I'll take that one. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's how you take it now. Sure. Games have advanced. Right. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid. It works like that. Back when we were kids. <laughs> no. But but when I was a kid watching that, I wasn't thinking, how does that make sense? I was like, well, no. that was pretty cool. You're like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so cool. when you've got the, the epic battle happening between them and your Zardon villain and his big cube of whatever, 
So the main ship that Flynn and the girl are on, it goes transparent. And does that mean that it's getting like deleted or absorbed or something? Derezzed? Because everything goes dark when he's trying to break out of the prison. Semi-derezzed? And then I think he brings her back to life. I think. Yeah. He does. Yeah. I think. But again, I don't really. She says, like, you brought me back. Yeah. Right. I guess he brings her back to life. How did you do that? And he doesn't seem to know because he's yeah. just making it up as he goes along. Really weird. And then when he comes yeah. back, as you said, they he comes back out of the game after he jumps into Zardon and destroys him because that's all it took was jumping into him to blow him up. I guess he the no, the spinning oil that does that right. The spinning wheel of discs that were protecting him stops and there's an opening like the breakout game on yes. Atari, and he's able to throw yeah. one in there and yes. destroy him. He comes back out, I think a matter of, I don't know, maybe seconds or a minute have passed and all the time that he's in there because the computer's going faster, which I appreciated. And then that single piece of paper saying program made by Flynn is enough to get him the company. What happens to the evil dude? The entire company. Right. The guy wasn't even the head of the company. The guy was like a senior exec. Right. So somehow (laughs) he didn't even like at the end of the day when he came out with that piece of paper, I'm like, cool. So you got that guy fired. It doesn't mean they needed to rehire you. It certainly didn't mean you were going to own the company. He's flying in on the chopper, which, by the way, I don't know why they don't make choppers like this anymore. Because at the opening scene where it had all the cool running lights on it, I was just like, that's really cool and easy to see, which would seem like it would be helpful for a helicopter flying in the sky at night. Yes. I don't know why they don't make helicopters with cool Tron lights. Everything should have Tron. But yeah. <laughs> Everything and, should be Tron. The whole, <laughs> the whole company. He's given the whole company because he made five video games. Because Willy Wonka told him he could have it. That's why. And he printed his own golden <laughs> ticket at the end. That, yeah. He printed a golden ticket. That's the only explanation. But absolutely yeah. bonkers plot at the end there. And again, going back to the plot happening in the background that none of the humans seem to know at first the ai saying i'm bored of corporations i've decided i'm going to take over the world i could run it better than you i'm going to take over america and then the kremlin so the heroes going into it don't really know that and as far as i can tell even when they're in the game they talk about an uprising happening and we have to stop the evil robot but I don't think Flynn ever knows no. at any point that the world is literally at stake while he's doing this. <laughs> he's his motivation his remains, nail. you took my stuff and I want my stuff back. Yeah. That's his entire motivation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is it. Which is the insane. Yeah. For and the sure. sheer amount of cockiness that he has throughout the whole thing, he reminded me of specifically Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, he did have a He had the same sort of (laughs) everything I can do, and I can do it amazing that he has. Only in this movie, he actually is apparently that amazing. Whereas, you know, with Big Trouble in Little China, the gag is Kurt Russell is essentially the sidekick in his own movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But, like, overall, I really enjoyed the majority of it. Yes, it's a little bit hokey looking, Mm -hmm. but five minutes into it. It's like jumping into cold water. You acclimate to it and it's okay. Exactly. The plot up until that last leg of it there where it just lags for 15 minutes. The plot is at least fun, if not completely insane. And the performances are good Mm -hmm. for what they are. Even the music had a nice, cool electronica vibe to it that I appreciated. Oh, I'm going to disagree because the music (laughs) was getting on my nerves. 
And I, I don't know if that's because I love Legacy, which has a phenomenal soundtrack, but the music was like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. But that's just my take on it. Wayne, you love soundtracks. What did you think of this? Break the, this time. the music suited the film, but it doesn't mean it was good music. That's really what wow. it comes down to. <laughs> That's like when someone eats food and you ask, Fair. how is it? And they go, it's interesting. It's, it's you don't food. want to admit that you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what's funny is, you know, we just finished watching Wrecked Ralph. And, I mean, it's really the same idea in sense of that inside the program, there's life. Sure. And you get to you get to see it, right? Yeah. Back in 82, we get to see it as this cheesy effects. And then mm-hmm. with Record Ralph, we get to see it as a nice, clean CG film. But yeah. everybody always pulls from that idea of like, you know, inside your body, there's like little gnomes running you or something like that, right? right? And this kind of plays on that feeling, mm-hmm. which I – and that's why I say the premise of this is really good. Legacy dives into it much better, even though there's still a lot yes. of questions. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. one of my, my favorite – moment in this entire movie uh for and final for me at the beginning and that's just because i'm 43 years old and super nostalgic that arcade <laughs> when they're in the arcade oh, yeah. i have like oh my god oh, yeah. i'm like oh, yeah. oh look at the setting that everybody's playing the sounds oh my god i can almost like, smell like 20 people crowded around him yeah like it's just <laughs> i remember oh, it's just such good memories and just seeing that oh i love that so good yes again it's the second movie in a row where the best thing to do on a night is watch a dude beat a high score in a video game. And I was, I'm all That's so it. funny. Yeah. Like, I'm enjoying it. And my favorite part was how properly sweaty he was at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, he's got the nerd sweat going as he's beating his high score. He was nervous. I'll <laughs> argue awesome. it wasn't nerves. He was physically exhausted just moving a joystick, which is why he got so easily exhausted in the digital world. That's dude possible. is out of shape. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, one last defense if I can make awesome. of the music. Daft Punk didn't exist yet, so they did the best they could. What sure. do you want, right? No, that's I'm just now the saying. only <laughs> other thing. The only other thing I'll point out that I wish more of this existed in it because it was such a weird, jarring moment in a good way. When they've busted out of the the main confines and they're kind of on their own, at one point Jeff Bridges comes across, as far as I can tell, maybe an opening to the internet, and you have all these weird designs of characters and people in all these strange neon colors. It's like yeah. the entire movie should have been that. Mm, yeah. That would have been cooler aesthetically instead of the blue people versus the red, the people. red people. Yeah. And it's like I a agree. 30 second scene. Yeah. And I feel like it was aesthetically more interesting, even though the rest, like the movie mm-hmm. I enjoyed, yeah. I really would have enjoyed more of that kind of weirdness. That's a good point. It. I agree. Uh, but overall I enjoyed it. it sounds like you guys, enjoyed whether or not you'll say uh, it's, it's good right. or not I, it, yeah <laughs> i already said that it's a movie it's not bad it's not great it's a film yeah i can't call it good but i enjoyed it i'm gonna ask you both to hold on to these precious memories because we're gonna draw this one to a close and when we come back we're looking at pixels and <laughs> oh i've seen previews of this it has pac-man so there's a nice through line from this film to that yeah. film but yeah. I've never heard a single positive yeah. word about that movie and I have a feeling that I'll be longing to go back to hey, Tron you've never seen about it? 30 minutes into Adam Sandler's you've never, you've never seen it? No. Wait, 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 wait. I have not. You've never seen it? Okay. Nope. Oh, okay. I, I actually can't day. wait till next week. <laughs> oh boy. I can't wait. So it sounds like you guys are already prepared and I have to steal myself and get ready for that. That's going to be something. At least it's on Netflix so I don't have to pay for it. That's a yep. positive. Again, we thank you all for listening to us. This has been Press X Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen, thanks for having us. Have a good night. We'll catch you next time.
been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.